We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He turns. He fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. Weber back to Bibby. Has the open shot. Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet. Put those hands together. And we'll meet tonight starting five for your Sacramento. Welcome to the Kings Beat Podcast. I am James Ham, your Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. Joining me, ABC 10, Sean Cunningham. What's up, Sean Cunningham? Oh, just a lot. <laughs> we broke the Kings. <laughs> they done broke, Sean. We uh, we were talking about, like, after the Bucks. oh, you know, we could probably see this team go 0-5. I didn't see a 53-point loss coming, James. Yeah, that was a thud, wasn't it? Um, well, sure. Sean, let's start here. We uh, uh, just a, again a big shout out to Brendan Nunes, our friend over at the Kings Pulse, who uh, not only did he he make that cool uh, overlay that we had last episode, which was more of a white overlay, but now we have a cool black overlay, which Sean Cunningham loves. It's 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 glorious. It's, it is fancy AF. I like it. Uh, oh, mm. see, that's what the kids say, right? Um, so I'm told. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, uh, I think that's what Jim Cosmore says all the time. That's, that's what the kids say, right? That's what the uh, kids say. And I'm like, yeah. Um, he he had his own Twitter, uh, like, show, uh, I don't know, what do we call that? Like, uh, He was holding court last night. He was holding court. Um, with King's Twitter. I And it's crazy because I was a little bit late to the party on it. And I'm looking around, and I wanted to be like, Coz, what did you do? <laughs> like, there's so many people. Like, I'm not a revolutionary by any means. I'm just a reporter. And uh, don't know really what I, – I think he's wanting someone to lead this, like, charge of changing the kings. And Yeah. Uh, not what I do, but no, I admire I, the spirit. Yeah, that's not how we roll. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I think, Sean, there's an interesting – like question there like why isn't there more uh negativity like harped on uh ownership right um and and i think like sean and i i don't know why we're jumping right into this to start the podcast but um it's not exactly the easiest proposition like i think that people should understand that first of all um and there was a time when the sacramento b rolled like five to seven deep on who covered the Kings, right? There was, so they had, 
this whole other branch of people who did nothing but write, uh, you know, columns and, and, you know, if, if there was an issue that they needed to, to take someone down, that that's where their focus was, uh, you know, guys like Marcos Bertone, uh, alien voice on, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of like the old school B had like this, this ability to mobilize in a different way than most people have now. Like it, it's Sean and I, we could sit here and talk negative about people all day long, but the fact is to go in and do the research and to do the, to chase all this stuff down and to get people to go on the record and all that stuff. It, it's not exactly simple. And I think at the end of the day, Sean, um, I just want people to know this, that like if there was something glaring that we could report and just go at Vivek Ranadive for some gross negligence, we would do that. Um, but a, no one wants to go on the record. Uh, and B, like I, I'm not sure how much that plays into the basketball side. It is, it's part of the culture of the Kings for sure. Uh, but at the same time, I'm just not sure that the, you have to understand like the value to us to go chase that story is is very difficult. And uh, and you know, I don't know, Sean. Do you have anything to add on that? No, I mean, I feel like some people when they talk about ownership and people that surround ownership as if they're doing something illegal, and they're not. They're just haven't had a successful basketball product i mean there's a lot of things that that this organization does really 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 well yeah putting a putting a competitive winning basketball product on the floor hasn't been one of them so like it's not exclusive to sacramento look at i mean you know minneapolis has some problems up there and um you don't have any things that's going to land anyone in jail so there's no like real scandalous things and when you come to it it's like at the end of the day if you're just getting pissed that somebody that an owner fired somebody or uh, you know, thought that somebody else would have the answers and didn't, and maybe you can mock a firing or hiring that they did, and like, so what? Like that's the, the ownership is the one thing you just can't really change. Like you, you can fire a head coach, you can fire a GM, you can fire front office people, you can get rid of trainers, you can get rid of PR people, you can get rid of everybody, but it that's because he's the owner. <laughs> like there, that's that's he hires people and he gets rid of people that make those decisions as well so um and and in this circumstance you've got a figurehead because he is the governor of the team um the other own there's a lot of other owners in this organization and they could replace him but they haven't so but i'll say this too there's also very little ability to replace him yeah it's very difficult to pull off yeah he has an ironclad situation that would require um, some people that just don't seem to be that interested in in being part of ownership. Uh, they're they're on the outskirts. Uh, guys like the Jacobs uh, and, and those guys. I mean, like I don't think that they're they're fully on board with being um, like day to day operators of a of an NBA team. And so when you have that, that I think they're the only ones that could piece together enough votes to to do something. And they just haven't chosen to go down that route. And they're businessmen who have watched their 565 or $535 million valuation of the Sacramento Kings go up to like $1.9 And so, you know, I think that they're, they're in a good place themselves, right? They've made four times their money on this transaction. And I, I think that that might be how they look at this more than anything else. 
Yeah, and the other thing is, is too, to me, if I'm a fan, and yeah, you want to see a competitive product, I get all that. You you have a great facility. The team stayed. I know there's that honeymoon period, but I'd be more pissed if I I, I'd be more pissed if it was like this team isn't spending money. You know, they're they're showing to be cheap. That's that hasn't happened. I think I think the anger is directed there, and I get it because it you know his his playoff streak is longer than the Maloofs at this point the playoff drought um so I, I understand all that I get the I get the frustrations I get all of that I would just argue that I feel like at this point people want to point the finger of Vekron Adive I don't fault them for doing it me personally I probably wouldn't because I know how much uh, how much he is involved but ultimately like I just think it's misguided. I think you're just starting to pull at straws at that point. And we could disagree there, James. I'm just never really a guy that gets too into ownership unless you have like a James Dolan, something like obviously what um, Donald Sterling was in, in the Robert Clippers. Sarver. Robert Sarver. Well, and I'll even take it a step further, James. Since we mentioned Sterling and Sarver, take the controversies away. The The, you know... racism and the all that stuff take all that away look at them as just on just as owners those owners historically notoriously cheap didn't invest um you know those owners i mean those owners just plagued their team from a management and a and, and being able to spend money standpoint right all the other stuff was worse i'll give them that like that that there's some scandalous stuff there that's awful but if you take that away just for a moment and look at them as owners and figureheads of their organizations that were just dreck and not wanting to put any money into their product and and being these awful awful presence like Vivek ain't that Vivek ain't that it's not even close to that Vivek I mean when you've got owners that can't you know come up with money during a pandemic to help cover some expenses like he covers it he covers all that he hasn't been afraid to pay head coaches and GMs and long lines there are certainly plenty of things you can can pick apart when it comes to Vivek Ranadive and and by all means go for it. I'm not trying to, I don't know Vivek. I'm not going to stick up for him or anything like that, but it's just an ownership. I just feel like you have an owner and as long as they're willing to spend money and show the desire to want to get better, I think he does. I think he puts his trust in a lot of people that you could, that's the part you could probably pick apart. But um, again, at the end of the day, he's just an owner trying to put a competitive product and make and have a, a profitable product at that. Yeah, I I think at the end of the day, I think the failures of this team, especially this year, I mean, more than anything else, have to fall on the players. And, uh, you know, I I think, like, when it comes to, again, just to with Vivek, like, people take offense that Anil is there, like, in some of these meetings and stuff. Like, look, man, that's his secession plan. That's that's his son. That's the guy who's, like, if I own the Kings, I guarantee you, my son would be with me every single day doing all kinds of stuff. We would be having conversations. Now, uh, would we let basketball people do basketball things? I don't know. Like, I, Mark Cuban doesn't let basketball people do basketball things all the time. Right. Uh, you know, there are, there are owners all over the league that choose to do things the way that they do things. And um, at the end of the day, uh, the Kings have $130 million payroll. He has shelled out the money. Um, they have not shown to be cheap when it comes to putting players and product on the floor. Um, the, the payroll is like, again, it's, um, 70, I think 70 million more than it was with the Maloofs. 
And of course, the NBA uh, television contract came in, and that money helps bolster what the Kings are doing. But but at the end of the day, I think that this is one of those situations where you're going to have to hope that he learns and that he becomes better at being an owner. And that's probably the way out of this. It's not to replace him because I don't think he's going to give up the helm. And uh, and that means that you're going to play a long, long waiting game for him to not want to be the owner anymore. And I just don't see that happening. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. So and and to that point, I didn't know we were going to get down owner talk, but um, by all means, I mean, if you want your 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 anger directed at him, do it. It's just a it's somebody who's basically irreplaceable. And I guess the only way to show him that you don't care or that you are thoroughly pissed off is not to support his product. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like um or pick it outside <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah there lob, you go. lob emails and phone calls to the organization I, I i just don't know what to tell it's always yeah. when it comes to ownership and, and trying to do things like that i don't care what sport it is it's like it's it's just really hard to do any end roads there because it's ultimately the thing that you can't replace so it is what it is yeah it, it really is uh it's like garden state when they they yell into the abyss like, yeah yeah. No, no one's listening to you. It's fine. You can yell and scream all you want on Twitter. They aren't listening. They they don't <laughs> care. I mean, and again, I, Vivek doesn't want to have a bad team. I can guarantee you that. He's, he wants to have a good team, and that's part of the problem is, like, wanting to have a good team and not being patient enough to wait for a good team and and, and that kind of stuff. It Like, it does all play into, like, a bigger – like it's not an intentional like oh I want to have a horrible team that I spend 130 million dollars on, no, that's that's not what he's trying to do here. Um, he just needs to again. I, I think the biggest issue is he needs to learn from his mistakes. Yeah, uh, and, and he needs to surround himself with people that uh, that have the right motivations. And that's one of the other things that I've always thought about him is that he doesn't always surround himself with. Uh, he's easily susceptible. He's easily oh, yeah. susceptible. And, and but I, I think a lot of people who are are in his where they they come into you know they hit it rich and they become millionaires and or billionaires. Um, they a lot of people are susceptible because just because you're good at one avenue of business doesn't mean that you'll be good in another avenue of business. You know, just like. Just because you're tall and can play basketball doesn't mean that you know how to manage your finances. It's not like Antoine Walker showed us that, like in a in a nutshell. Like, there's, it it's not like these things don't just come like naturally for some people. And, I'd love and so, I'd love to talk to him. Yeah, I really would. Like, you could argue that it was probably a bad look that he was up there kind of doing press conferences with you know figureheads of his organization, head coach, GM, what have you. Um, there were some cringy moments, but I actually think when people hear him, I could be wrong. I, I know when I hear him, I actually like listening to him. You have to kind of navigate your way through some some cringeworthy moments, but at the end of the day, I feel like he's just a fan like anybody else, and because he is in, in, in power, I think it would be refreshing to hear from him. I mean, it's one thing to hear from your general manager and your head coach because those people are involved every single day. He's just as involved and because of that, I'd, I'd love, I think fans should deserve to hear from him on something that actually pertains to basketball and not trying to make the world a better place. I credit him for what they do and organizationally. I think he's had his best moment as, as an owner in, in the NBA was when he went on, on the front, on the, on the middle of the court and just impromptu speech about, you know, what happened with Stefan Clark and the shutdown of that arena and the protests that were outside. 
thought it was fantastic. But I feel like I'd still like to talk to him about his basketball team. Yeah. Uh, we don't get to talk to him. And we don't get to talk to Joe Dumars at all. That's which the other is, one, yeah. That's, that's been a really weird thing. Hall of Famer I, in the building and can't talk to him. Yeah, and to finish this up, um, I'll say this too. Vivek is sitting courtside at half court taking his lumps every single game. Like, he's not hiding. And a lot of these guys, when things go wrong, they do hide. Not him. He's there every single day. He is there cheering. Um, He wants his team to succeed. And uh, wanting something to succeed and having it succeed is just, he hasn't figured out that that happy medium, (laughs) how to uh, find success. And he's found success in a lot of other avenues of life, but this isn't one of them. And so he's got some work to do. uh, But at the same time, like just people should know he's not going anywhere. He also Uh, doesn't have a great poker face. Like he, he gets pissed. He he gets just into it like any other fan. Like he gets pretty upset, animated yeah. on the court. So, uh, you know. Yeah, interesting discussion. Um, how do we go down right. that road? <laughs> yeah, how did we go down that road? Okay, so let's let's start how we usually start. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, um, take two seconds right now to uh, give us a thumbs up and subscribe. Uh, we need to we need to get more subscribers. That's the way this thing goes. Uh, also, if uh, you are a King's Beat follower, uh, which if you're watching or listening to the podcast, um, jump in on a premium subscription. We're probably going to push the happy hour till right after the trade deadline because that's kind of the feedback I've gotten from some of the originals, uh, the original subscribers of the King's Beat. They just feel like they understand the angst that we would go through to try to manage uh, both trade deadline and um, and the happy hour. Uh, so maybe... Um, We'll figure something out that doesn't coincide with like something like Valentine's Day or something. That would be kind of not very good. Um, no, it would not be. Yeah, yeah. So, and maybe we'll do something right after the trade deadline. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, I'm going to get into it. But if you want to be part of that, um, you you need to jump on board with premium subscription to the Kings Beat. And no, um, no, and no matter how bad the Kings are playing, we will always call it the happy hour. That's right. Right. That's right. right. You can't do oh. a sad hour like the therapy hour. Or, no, you know. no. It'll be the off the record with the King's Beat happy hour. Uh, and this is this is the trilogy. This is the third. Oh. Oh, yeah. So we, we've got to figure out a, a clever name Part for that. Part uh, I like to extend the name as long as possible. We're just going to make the, the name to the happy hour longer and longer and longer until uh, maybe it fills up like the whole front of a shirt. Um, <laughs> all right. So, Sean, let's hit... Uh, let's hit the actual basketball side. And we're not going to spend a lot of time on this because, uh, to be honest with you, I don't think the players spent a lot of time uh, thinking about it or, or doing anything that would warrant us to, to spend time on it. Uh, the first was, uh, since we last saw you on Tuesday, uh, the Kings have lost two in a row, uh, which extends their losing streak to five. Um, and we've hit that that really dark spot that to be honest with you, I don't know that I've seen it this dark uh, outside of, you know, I think it's a 14, 15 season when Malone and, and everyone was fired. Um, the Kings lost 128 to 75, a 53 point. Like we got whooped. Is that, it, it was Curb a good fashion. It was a good old fashioned whooping. Is that what uh, Rashawn Holmes said? Sean, it doesn't get much worse than that. Like, what in, what what in the world? I I, I don't even know. Where do we start? Well, James, 
<laughs> well, it, there was a moment. I think I actually I may have even tweeted this, but there was a moment before in in thinking about the Hawks game that was the most recent game, where <laughs> they that second quarter where they scored forty six points. The Hawks, <clears throat> excuse me, well, the Hawks scored forty six points. Outscored forty six seventeen. Yeah. yeah, and I thought to myself, self. <laughs> That Boston game was so goddamn bad that they scored 30 points in the first half and the Hawks scored 16 more in the second quarter alone. And yeah, I mean, it's, I feel bad, but it's like to just, I mean, how do you, what do you even say? We were in the post game media session and I just was like, explain yourself, explain yourself. Like what, what do you have to say for yourself? How, what could you possibly say? Um, Rashawn Holmes was very upset. Tyrese was very upset. Alvin's like at his wits end. <laughs> um, yeah. that was a, t- we know this team's cannot defend and we've seen them struggle and De'Aaron Fox isn't playing and they couldn't hit water. If they fell out of a boat, James, they couldn't make any shots. And then they just became completely indifferent. You yeah. know, like there, it, it was just. It was just like, well, like, could we just call the game at halftime? Like, there's got to be a rule there where, you know, like, they didn't need to institute a rule where it's just like, I mean, everyone's talking to the NFL and all the overtime rules. I want to institute a mercy rule. That was just brutal. Yeah. When you get skunked, like, it, you just call it. Yeah. Right. So that, that first game, you're right. They scored 30 points in the first half. The next night, they scored 33 points in the first quarter and were up 12 and then got crushed. Crushed. They were down by 17 at the half, I believe. I mean, I, I don't know that I've ever seen a team go from one quarter playing so well to the next quarter being so horribly pathetic like this year's team. Like, it's usually if you get beat, you know, if you're going to get beat by 20, you get beat by five to eight points every quarter. And, and and then you come away with like, oh, that wasn't good. We We got, that was, you know, we got smoked. That's not what this is. This is getting beat by like astronomical figures. I mean, at one point it was seventy-three to thirty-three. Is that what it was at, at half? No, it, it, it was, was in sixty-three the early to third. thirty. Wasn't it sixty? It was sixty-three thirty at the first half in Boston. And are you talking about Atlanta? No, no, it, no. It was Boston. Like yeah, at Boston, one point, sixty-three thirty. Yeah, I know. Didn't uh, Alvin Gentry said he he wrote two scores on the on the board? He wrote uh, one fourteen to one thirteen and. I think it was 73 to – I don't think it was 73-43. I think it was 73-33. Uh, like, I think that they got Yeah, but that blasted. was, the, that was the, the halftime score of the Wizards and the oh. Clippers, and then they, yeah. the final score of the Wizards and Clippers. Yeah, it was – bro, that was just brutal. I mean, it was yeah. brutal. And he's he's trying to illustrate a point, and God, you know, God bless him, I get it. Like, he's trying to illustrate a point about playing 48 minutes and – I just don't know. I mean, these guys are so completely dumbfounded. Um, at least the ones that care. I think there's yeah. some that are probably just like whatever at this point. This team is completely checked out. And if they haven't, they probably should have because they they're sure as hell playing like it. And and the weird part about it is, James, like we talked about Milwaukee, like that was a solid effort. There was no De'Aaron Fox in that game. Yeah, they lost by pretty six. solid effort, you know. And then you go into Boston, curb stomped, fifty three points. Go into Atlanta, you're up. 14, I think, was the high you were up, and then it turns into a 30-point lo- uh, deficit at one point. You know, it's like, 
the 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 way it just crumbles is nuclear. This team just goes absolute nuclear, and the the, the ball movement stat like it's one thing to be bad defensively, James. And and again, we get that. We've seen that for the better part of five years. A bad defensive team, fifteen years, if you want to go that far. Yeah, but be entertaining. Be be able to score the ball, run the ball, move the ball. That there's nothing. There's no excuse to not move the basketball. You know, we talk about Golden State, and I get it. They're the cream of the crop. And even teams like uh, Miami, who seem to do it with guys that just are good teammates and, and do it the right way, and they have a, it, it's an organizational culture. Mm-hmm. Your organizational culture should not follow the personality of your players or your team. Like, your team should fall in line with organizational culture. That's hard to do. I'm not saying it's easy to do. But, like... To see the way when things start going bad and it's like, okay, great, I'm going to go ISO and I'm going to turn the ball over and then it's that 6-0 run now become 8-0 run, become a, you know, and then just see it snowball is so weird to me. I just, I've never understood how some of these players feel like, okay, it's takeover mode. I, I have to do something. Just move the ball, move the ball, find the open man, cut. It's a, it's a simple game, man. It's a simple game. And this team is just completely lost. Yeah. All right. So I saw Davion Mitchell came into the Celtics game and he was like, right away, you saw it like, oh, no, I am going to be the impactful player. I'm going to switch. I'm going to turn this thing around. And then he went like, I I think he missed his first eight shots, six shots. And and they were so close. Like the Kings missed by nothing time and time again. Um, So, Sean, it it brought to uh, it brought me to the question um, Tyrese Halliburton, uh, I mean, we've, we've talked about this. He's the biggest breath of fresh air for media that you're ever going to run into. He ran a negative 40 in the Celtics game and a negative 34 in the Hawks game. And the crazy thing about the Hawks game is he ran a negative 34, but Davion Mitchell starting next to him, I think ran a zero and Harrison Barnes ended up right at the last second before he got pulled out of the game, um, dropped to a negative two. So that tells you that it wasn't like, it it was just a bad couple of games. And um, I asked Ty following the, uh, the loss to Boston, like, how do you, how do you not let this become who you are? Because like what we don't want to see is, is Ty lose what he has right now? Because I, I'll, I'll even say this again. I think we've seen De'Aaron start to lose who he was with all the losing, and I think that that's that's the worst thing possible. Because if you you want to save these guys, if you want them to be part of what's going to happen next, which we hope is trades and everything else, but uh, a, a franchise turnaround. If we hope that they're going to be part of that, they can't be ruined, and you have to start worrying about whether players get ruined by the culture by what's happening by losing by 53 points. Um, you know, so I asked Ty about that. We're going to try something new here. We're actually going to play the video clip here on, uh, on the YouTube side. Um, and it should be part of the, the audio side as well. If it doesn't work, um, <laughs> we'll be right back. Whoops. <laughs> uh, whoops. Uh, but, but here's what we got from Tyrese Halliburton. Go ahead. Yeah, Ty, uh, how do you avoid allowing this to, like, 
define you and and really seep into who you are as a player you guys have had like these ups and downs in your first year and a half um but how do you you push it out and not let this be you know sort of the norm i just i came into this and um you know coming coming to sacramento them, them taking a chance on me um you know i'm part of the organization i'm i'm here to help us win um you know obviously the kings haven't haven't won in the in the past, I haven't been in the playoffs in whatever 15 years, but you know, I refuse to 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 let the you know the culture of what the Kings have been in the past, you know, take over who I am as a person. And um, you know, it's uh it's 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 obviously dark right now. It's, it's not we're not where we want to be, but you know, there's still a lot of season left um, you know, throughout this year and and uh, you know, I'm I'm a member of the Sacramento Kings, so I'm gonna I'm gonna help fix this and I don't know how I don't know how long it's gonna take. It ain't gonna be in a day. It ain't gonna be in a month. But I'm a, I'm gonna be here, and and, uh, and we're gonna make it work. I promise that. Good words, man. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's refreshing. I mean, we, we love hearing from Ty, and I think a fan hearing that is absolutely you know he's encouraged. But there's two ways to look at it. One, I'm thinking of people who are like, man, when I first heard him say that, I thought he was going down a road saying, Hey, this Kings team's a loser. I'm not, <laughs> you know, like I, I kind of, and any, any, he, he tied a nice bow on there and I liked it. But then again, James, I mean, he's just as much as part of the problem. You know what I mean? So I would like to see a lot of the pro, a lot of these uh, words become actions, but yeah, good for him because he gets it. He absolutely gets it. Yeah, he does. I, I mean, I think what we are looking for as a player is for him to come out and do what he did the last time De'Aaron Fox was out, which means, you know, 25 and 10. And to expect that out of a young player is foolish. Um, but I also think something's going on here behind the scenes where this team, you know, for as much as they do like each other, as much as they do care about each other, um, Alvin Gentry went on a tirade about, you know, he's tried everything. He's tried everything. He's tried to put it... He's tried to question their pride. He's tried to, uh, like, talk to them about, like, doing it for each other, like, supporting each other and that we're part of the family. He's tried, like, almost every type of motivation behind the scenes that you can possibly try, and it's not getting any better. It's only getting worse. And so I think that that was a, an interesting moment. Um, and, and I don't want to spend too much time on the actual basketball itself because – to be honest, Sean, like this team is not going to be this team in like two weeks. It's going to be very, very different. And so you hope, uh, yeah, <laughs> you hope. No, I agree. But even if it's not, even if we don't see the the monster trades that are floating around out there, all this craziness that's out there, um, I still think that we're going to see if this is a group that's going forward. Then a bunch of dudes are getting benched the second half of the season. This thing's going to the tank. And we're going to watch, uh, you know, guys like Chimezu Metu, Damian Jones, uh, Jemias Ramsey, Robert Woodard, um, Lou King, Namias Keda, uh, Davion Mitchell. Like, that's going to be a lot of the team heading down the stretch. Ty will play a lot. Um, if De'Aaron Fox is still there, he'll play plenty. But a lot of the other guys are going to have to watch because that's where this team is gone. And, um, and we need to stop talking about that 10th seed. We need to start talking about, you know, how this team moves forward after this season because we're already there. This season's already basically over, and we need to figure out who they're going to be next, right? 
You're right. And, you know, even you go back to what Alvin was saying, and, and I had asked him a question, like, because I've said it here, like, I want to see him fight. Just fight. Like, have, I know these guys all like each other. I, I want to see a locker room brawl because at least it shows they care. You know what I mean? Like, I know it's Hollywood to think that way. And even Alvin kind of like joked at that. Like, he's like, I tried to get them to hate me, you know, like just to, there's yeah. just no passion with this team. There's no, first of all, there's no joy. Like the joy is just sucked out of the room in five minutes, but there's just no passion. Like where's the, the to, to, to be able to, again, I brought this up later earlier in the season to the players and I was a little disappointed that they many of them went with a different way. I don't think there's anything worse than having your pride and your competitive spirit called out by a coach or fan base or anybody else, even individually. Or your teammates. Or yeah, your teammates. And, I mean, and Harrison when I Morris asked them, talked I'm, about it. I'm like, is there anything worse? And they're like, started rattling off some of the other things that could be worse. I'm like, okay, well, to me, that wouldn't be worse. Like, because this is a direct reflection on myself. Yeah. And you're saying that I don't give a damn, that I have no pride, and I'm not living up to the expectation that is uh, exp- that that is put in front of me based off the salary that I make, right? So it's there. That was disappointing to me, but it also kind of told me, James, just what this team is all about. Like this is this is just not that team, and you know, it's kind of like what De'Aaron Fox said the other day, where it's like you, when he was asked, you know, how many different things can you guys say. And it's like, well, we can only say what we're asked. And he's like, what, do you want me to say it again? Like, you keep saying the same shit, but it's not, you know, words are words. Actions are different. Like, yeah, you know, you can turn around and maybe win three straight, but then you're going to suffer these lapses. That's why I keep saying, like, you know, for the better part of a month, you know, Monty McNair has to save this team from itself because it's literally festering. Like, it's a problem. And it's not quite the year like you mentioned a minute ago about the Malone year and thinking about maybe Alvin Gentry being the Ty Corbin piece right now because that was bad, but that team played with more heart than this team is right now. No, that's true. I mean, it's bad. I mean, we looked at uh, before we came on, so the Kings at this point are 18 and 32. Uh, last year at this point, they were 22 and 20, 28. They were three games into one of their nine-game losing streaks. And so do they get to uh, to that point where they're 14 games under um, 500? Um, yeah, they got six more losses to go last season, which put and, and just so people know, the nine game losing streak ends last season and the Kings are uh, from my math, they're 22 and 34. So they're not 14 games under 500. They're 12 games under 500. After six more losses. That's where this team was last year. So I think that that's the biggest disappointment that like we can compare this team to last year's team because most of the pieces are the same. And it's just you thought that the tertiary pieces around them would be slightly better. Uh, and, and that just hasn't been the case. Um, Sean, so we, we can't just keep drubbing on this team all day long. I mean, we can. Uh, and we could actually like get angry and start yelling and start saying more curse words and and really like flay this team. Um, and we have, but at this point, it's it's time. We've been saying this for I've been saying it since December. Like it's time. Like mix mm-hmm. this thing up now, now. And the Kings are part of every single conversation. We've talked about this, um, so we're gonna play a game here because I, I think this is better conversation than talking about the the basketball itself. Um, before I get into the game we're going to play, 
uh, we are going to, you know, uh, send some well wishes out to, to Terrence Davis, who um, not only hit his head on the floor, which was like, I don't know how he avoided concussion protocol, but on top of that, he did some damage to a tendon in his wrist, and we have no idea. Um, but I'm going to guess that this isn't a good thing, that he could be out long, long term, um, like most of this season, if if not the rest of the season, because we're looking at 30-something games left. Um, but uh, they they haven't figured out if he needs surgery yet or anything else. They're they're trying to collect more information before we get an update. Um, you know the playbook, though. It's it's here's our diagnosis, possible second opinion. Meet with a specialist, decide whether or not you're going to do surgery. Yeah, and yeah, I think yeah. the the hope is hopefully you can wait till the end of the season, um, especially if you know. Let's be honest; like he's not safe from a trade, you know everyone's available so you know yeah. maybe you keep february 10th in mind but um yeah it's it's some dicey times it's probably going to need surgery to replace and you just hope that that can wait till the off season but you know he goes down and by the way with fox with the ankle like we were talking just a few weeks ago james like you said who's the king that they can ill afford to lose i said fox i'm looking like a genius all of a sudden i didn't think it'd be this bad <laughs> yeah what is it, it combined like uh 70 points over two games the last two uh, at least, at least the uh, the the Bucks game was somewhat competitive, um, so there there was at least that. Um, okay, so let's let's get to this. Um, we're gonna I'm gonna throw out a name, and then I was we're hoping you were gonna bring out like a long Price is like, Right like microphone. a board. Yeah. Sean, what would you give up for John Collins? Hmm. Well, I'd hope there'd be a second team involved, but I would give up probably a piece like Harrison Barnes for sure. And probably, probably a first round pick that might have some protections on it. Um, at the end of the day, I'd probably be willing to give up a, uh, an entire first round pick, no protection, maybe not this season, but probably for 2022. 2024 maybe maybe i would do that i don't know i I, i'd entertain a first round pick but harrison barnes would be the one because i feel like harrison barnes would add something to the to the to the hawks right now i really do okay i'm with you um i think that's that's probably right around i would probably give a 2022 top eight protected pick um in exchange with harrison barnes and to me that that's a pretty fair deal um and and you might even say, hey, you, you probably have a little cachet with us because we gave you DeLon Wright for nothing. Um, <laughs> we got nothing. <laughs> maybe maybe Bogey would be like the uh, – maybe you could do like a, an interesting trade there where you maybe bring back Bogey. And it's like the draft day scenario where, where Bogey is like the draft picks that he gave away and he gets them back. Or maybe he's – David Putney, <laughs> which was the the guy that was the throw in. Uh, I don't know, man. Like I, I could, I think that could be even interesting for for as bad as this team has been from a playmaking standpoint. Um, but that would also require more pieces going out. So, um, also is like, what do you think of Collins? Like, I got in a conversation earlier today. Like, I was asked if I thought John Collins is a star and could he ascend to being a star. I probably would say no, but it's almost the, to me it's the type of move the Kings have to make where you have this young budding player that that 
could show a lot of potential and in the right fit could be a hell of a player, possibly an all-star, possibly part of a winning movement. I don't know if it's him. I'd probably bet against it, but it's the type of move that they almost have to do. Yeah, I look at him as like a a much better version of Kyle Kuzma. You know, he can rebound. He can shoot the three. Uh, he's incredibly exciting in the pick and roll. Uh, him and um, Trey have the most uh, assists between a pair um, in the NBA, the the Trey Young to John Collins assist. I think he's a player that fits perfectly with De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton. He gives you the spacing, and he gives you the pick and roll. He's not a great defender, uh, mm-hmm. but no one is on this team. And I would, like, if they wanted to expand a package, I would look at, you know, a Buddy Heald, adding Buddy Heald and, and taking back Bogdanovich. Uh, but I don't think that that's what they're looking for. I think they want to get out from underneath the, was it a five-year, $125 million contract they gave him. And uh, and to me, I, I think the Kings make, basically you're taking on this similar contract that you were giving Harrison. You're just extending it out for a, what is he, 24, 25-year-old player? Um, that's a good question. How old is John Collins? Um, we'll have that in two seconds. <laughs> John Collins is... Uh, One of the things, too, I mean, we know, we know he's not... We know what he's not defensively. We get that. Yeah. But but there's part of the things I always wonder when I look at when I watch some of the Hawks games, and I understand that he's definitely not happy with his role. I get it. Yeah. But there's some games where he just uh, why aren't you more of a factor offensively? Like what happens there? I know there's only one ball, and you got a lot. You have guys that there's some guys on that team that take some shots, but to be a player of his talents sometimes make me wonder. You know why the hell is he more impactful on the offensive end? Because some nights he'll come out and he just looks incredible, and other nights you're like, "Where was he at? Four points? Like, what? What the hell is going on here?" Yeah. Okay. So a couple of things with John Collins. Number one, he's 24 until next September, which is crazy. Uh, number two, he's a career 38.7 percent three point shooter, but right now he's shooting 41.4. Uh, he's averages 16.6 and 8.4 for his career. He also averages a block a game. Um, to me, he's a, a perfect fit when it comes to the Kings because of his ability, like I said, to play in the pick and roll and to shoot the three. The fact that he isn't more impactful um, is a good question. I don't know. I, like, sometimes he's not. Um, even against the Kings, I thought that uh, that Harrison Barnes was a better player. Um, you know, But Harrison Barnes was a better player for what I think Atlanta needs. Uh, he can shoot the three. And he can also go in the post and score. That team doesn't really have a dude who can go in the post and score. They've got uh, Capella, who's really good in the pick and roll. Just a much bigger version of Rashawn Holmes. Um, But I I think that he would really fit in well with the Kings. And again, we're talking about a dude who is De'Aaron Fox's age, um, you know, two years older than Tyrese Halliburton, a player that you're going to be able to grow with and have your core be uh, Fox, Halliburton, and um, uh, and Collins for a long time under contract for years. I mean, we're talking about five years of mm-hmm. of that core at a minimum. Um, if that's what you, if it works, and that's what you want, so I would give a thumbs up. You know, thumbs if up. We're, yeah, if we're talking uh, a Collins uh, for Barnes and a top ten protected pick, maybe a top eight protected pick, um, and this year go, and maybe next. I, I, like I'm not giving up two picks, but um, I, I'm in. 
you and also I, yeah I, I, I am and i'd also you know if there's other moves to be had there on their roster like i'd a Kongwu looked phenomenal. I mean, I think he, there's there's some fun things with him, and obviously, I've got a. I think Jalen Johnson would be fun, but I don't see why Atlanta would move him. But um, those are other pieces that I'd kind of look at and raise my Herter. eyebrows. Yeah, I take Herter, Herter. Herter's I, I, contract though is the only one where I'd kind of maybe lean. Like I, I like Herter, but I'd probably wait just because I don't love the contract that he just signed. Okay. Yeah, I, I have to. I'd have to look more at Herter's contract. I'll, I'll just say this, like. For some reason, the Hawks are in, um, they're in a better position than the Kings, but not by much. I mean, they're not winning either, and they're in an Eastern Conference that actually has teams that are well above 500 to get into the playoffs. Um, and they're a disappointment right now, but their pieces don't seem to fit together, and I'm not sure why, because right. they do have a lot of really interesting pieces. If you were to build a team on like 2K, I think that you would build it a lot the way that they did. Like, I, I think that they, it, it's almost like they thought that all these pieces would meld together and they just didn't, although they did last year, they didn't they go all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals. Fun team. Yeah. Very yeah, fun team. Yeah. So to lose that mojo is really strange. Okay. Let's get on to the next one. Um, what would you Well, give? and actually, hold on before you go Uh-oh. on. Yep. Think about that. Like, remember how awful they were? They make a coaching change. Nate McMillan steps in and all of a sudden they surge. And then here you are. It's, it's like. Kings didn't do that, obviously, with the coaching change. Yeah, but but now maybe you could make the argument that all of a sudden true colors are being shown again. It like I don't know. It's it's interesting because it, that 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 thought popped into my mind before the Kings and Hawks took the court last year last night because I remember seeing them here in Sacramento where they were depleted and came in and you know stuck it to the Kings, and then I'm like, okay, well now they're gonna have all their guys. Let's see how this works out. But I'm like, wait a minute, this is the same team that looked awful, had a coaching change, and then they just excelled. Very strange. Well, Sean, and I would even say that that there's probably part of the reason why Luke Walton lost his job so quickly was because of what happened with Atlanta last year. They right. looked at that and said, hey, look, it worked out with Atlanta. They they put in a seasoned veteran coach who everyone likes and and turned the thing around really quick, and that's not what happened here in Sacramento. So, no. um, All right, let's go to... Um, what would you give for DeMontis Sabonis? Mm. That's mm. a tough one, man. Um, well, I mean, mm. you could pretty much have, in my opinion, you could almost have your pick of the litter. Um, that the only part I get a little weird about is the picks. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm definitely not doing two first round picks. Um, but I would depending upon what's going out in current roster. I mean, let me ask you this, James. Would you do first two first-round picks straight up? I don't even know. Obviously, I don't think the money works, but let's just say two first-round picks. Would you have them in with Sabonis? Yeah, I mean, it depends on who I'm giving up with them. But right. I, I, w- I would give up two first-round picks for basically the Vucevic deal, right? Um, I would give up two first-round picks and Buddy Heald. Um, I would consider two first round picks and, um, and just throwaway contracts like, uh, Tristan Thompson and, um, and Marvin Bagley. Cause I think mm-hmm. you, you can get that deal. I mean, he, he has a really solid contract. It's like 18, 19 and 20. Right. Um, so 18 this year, 19 and 20 the next. So I think you're getting like a three time all-star that can really help you and do a lot of things. I think I am giving up two first round picks. I'm going to say that like the lottery protections on those first 
picks are like I want top 10 and top 10. So I'm probably going to tie up like three to four years of first round picks. Um, but I would be, well, like four, four to five years of, of uh, first round picks. But I'm okay with that. You're not? I don't know. I like. I'd almost argue that if you're doing that, why not just give up a first round pick not protected and just give them one? Okay. Completely unprotected first round pick. Maybe not this even year. this. Not this year. You got to keep mm, the no. Yeah. Got to yeah. keep this one. So, and if they want this one, then maybe it's top five protected. Okay. Okay. So you know, I think we're we're around the same here. I would also. Would you do this? Um, well, I think this made more sense two weeks ago. If the Kings were actually in it for the 10th seed, would you have taken um, De'Aaron Fox and Rashawn Holmes and traded them for Sabonis and Brogdon? Mm. No picks involved. But Honestly, they, get, they get younger. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd give it a hard thought. I'd probably try, and I, this, you and I might differ here, Personally, I'd probably try to make that Levert over Brogdon. Hmm. Uh, okay. I'm I'm a big fan of Karras, so I would I would try to I might try to finagle that one a little bit more. Gotcha. I'm not a, I'm not a huge Levert fan. I, I think between the injury and health concerns, health um, concerns are definitely there. Yeah. yeah, the injuries and health concerns. He has a injury history as well. But on top of that, I don't love his game. His head's down way too often. He, he's not looking up and looking for his teammates or looking in space. Uh, I, I think that he's a very gifted athlete and he's a very solid player uh, and can put up a bunch of points, but I'm not sure that it will ever equate to points on a good team or, or points that lead to wins. Um, hmm. But that's just my own opinion. Um, okay, so so would you make a Sabonis deal? Oh, I think there's definitely a way I'd make a Sabonis deal. Okay. Um, Me too. Yeah, for sure. Okay, for sure. Uh, I think it, I think it's hard. It's weird because I know we've talked about this in in weeks past, but I I feel like it's harder to go after Sabonis than it is someone like Ben Simmons, um, mainly because his contract is pretty friendly. Yeah, and uh, and the other part of that is he's just so damn gifted. So I just don't I just don't see Indiana moving Sabonis at all. I, I really don't. Like I, I like if I was Indiana. Sure, there's a lot of pieces I'd move. He ain't one of them. Yeah, I agree. I think that they've been trying to do a bunch of bait and switch the whole time, and then they got caught with their hand in the cookie jar because Miles Turner uh, like broke a, a bone in his foot. Uh, so I, I think that they were trying to get people all in on something and then say, uh, you know, we've decided not to move Sabonis, but would you do this for, for Miles <laughs> Turner? And I like Miles Turner, but... I do too, by the way. I really uh, do. Yeah, but I I mean, if I'm doing a Miles Turner deal, like you're talking about a top 15, a top 12 protected pick, I'm not doing anything more than that because I first of all his contract isn't that long and secondly, I think that his vision of who he is and who he's not like th- those aren't on the same path. Like he doesn't really get that he's not who he thinks he is. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's fair. That's that's fair. I also feel like one of the things I really like about him, I, I just feel he's a a more tenacious player that people give him credit for, and okay. I feel like that could be somewhat contagious. But you gotta you gotta put the right. He's he's a he's a a guy that you have to put good pieces around, and I don't know that I have the the confidence that that'll happen. 
Yeah, and and I'll leave this w- w- when it comes to Sabonis versus like Miles uh, Turner. Miles Turner to me is again like he's very gifted in that he can shoot the three and he can block shots. He's not a great rebounder. I think he can play alongside Rashawn Holmes, where I don't think that that works with Indiana, but I think it does work with the Kings because Holmes is so incredibly good in the pick and roll that you can use uh, Turner as a floor spacer for certain sets. Um, and then I think the fact that uh, Holmes can defend the perimeter makes me think that he could play the four or the five alongside the right piece. So I kind of actually like that idea. The downfall is that you're replacing one non-passer with another non-passer, and this team does not have enough shot creation, and that's why Sabonis always makes sense to me because I think you can run a, a lot of crazy things out of the high pick and roll with uh, with Sabonis, and even with uh, Rashawn Holmes, I think it would still you could possibly make it work with Rashawn Holmes uh, because Sabonis can shoot the three; he's just not asked to do that nearly as much, and and so for me. I, I think I would. I'm all in on uh, on Sabonis, Miles Turner. I'm. I I would consider, but it's got to be the right deal, and I got to see the X-rays. I got to make sure that that's not a uh, career stymieing foot injury that's going to keep coming back to haunt him. Um, sure. Yeah. All right. Let's get to. Uh, we've covered Collins. We've covered Sabonis. We even had a a bonus uh, Miles Turner piece in there uh let's go to simmons because you did bring him up um I, I think that this this is the crazy one right what are you willing to give up for ben simmons and uh we've seen some of the things that are out there uh you know again daryl morey has drummed this thing up i've gone on record saying I, I know what i would i would give up um and i'm not sure that you can get a deal done without either tyrese halliburton or De'Aaron fox involved but if you can I'm in, even if it requires me taking back like $78 million in Tobias Harris. I know the Kings don't feel that way. Uh, At least that's what my sources tell me. But I know that I would consider uh, the deal if it brought me a 25-year-old three-time All-Star. What do you got? Tobias Harris does not scare me. Um, I'd be willing to have the conversation. But if we keep it at um, Ben Simmons alone... I'm on record here, James. Pick three. If it doesn't involve my pick, pick three, maybe even four. I don't care who you're taking off this team. I I would do it this season. Be damned. I don't care. Like he's that type of player. I will. I told you I don't have the confidence to build around Miles Turner. I've got confidence to build around Ben Simmons because of the elite at three position, three skill sets. Uh, the fact that he like I don't. There's a lot of people I feel that would want to play with a guy like that. Um, He's Draymond Green without the freaking attitude, right? Like he, he's not the he's not overbearing. It there's there's again if he's right, if he's right in the sense, and I don't even I'm not even talking about what happened seven months ago, eight months, whatever it is now. Yeah. In the in the playoffs, I'm talking about the headspace, the mental. You know, is he in a mental health area that isn't going to scare you away? We don't know that. We haven't heard from him. We don't. You know, obviously, he's using that as an excuse not to play. I don't think many people are really buying into it that 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 this is real and and that um, the minute he gets traded, that it all just evaporates. I think people think that the minute he gets traded, he's ready. To, he's ready to take the floor and compete. Um, that the only thing that's contributing to his mental health is the fact that he plays in Philadelphia. So yeah, there's some weirdness there for sure. But 
I don't care about this season. Like this season, this this team is not good enough. That's the that's the move you need to make. Um, I I'm on record. I don't think that a move gets done. I don't think Daryl Morey moves Ben Simmons at the deadline. I really don't. Um, but let's pretend it doesn't happen. I'd still be interested in around the draft time in the off season, whatever ends up happening, because there's not an easy pathway necessarily to go get James Harden. Okay. There's not an easy pathway to go out and get Dame Lillard. So I still feel like the Kings will have to, as I've always said, whether you're getting Ben Simmons or not, you need to be a part of it. Um, you, you just, you can end up with a really nice fish if you're a part of this package. Now, when it comes to the picks, James, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit different there. So, you know, I, I'd be willing to move two picks for him. Um, okay. Protections, I'm not sure, but it's it's worth the risk. And I, I, I said this earlier today um, with our friends Deuce and Mo. I, 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 I would, all, I would rather do it with with no handlebars, no protections, just to get it, just to get something done. I feel like. Monty McNair, Wes Wilcox, this current regime, and it, you can almost equate this to what coaches who've come in here in the past few years who are trying to develop a product, and they're saying you're developing a, a talent really for your successor, right? The pressure that this organization should feel, and you're not working out of desperation, but the 2024 pick, the 2025 pick, whatever it ends up being, who gives a damn? You're probably not going to be here to draft it anyway. So if you're going to try to save your job, these are the decisions you have to make. So I can see a pathway. And by the way, if those two picks are in there, then maybe you're not having to move somebody like De'Aaron Fox or Tyrese Halliburton or something that you might actually rather not move. Yeah. Um, so yeah, James, I'm the picks to me are the most biggest asset out there. You can argue, and I've had arguments on Twitter and I've seen people say it where it's like, this team should build through the draft. This team, this team should hit the reset button and sell off for everything for assets. And it, look, I get it. It's probably the right thing to do, but they've done. They've they've had that path. They haven't drafted well. They haven't made good decisions. Some guys haven't panned out the way they thought they would. It doesn't mean there was no plan. There was a plan. Vladi had a plan when he drafted three three guys, three of the four first round picks that were six ten and taller. It may not have been a good plan. It was a plan. <laughs> he tied up he tied up stuff with Philly. It ended up kind of working out, but it puts you in a limbo for so long. Like that's what I don't want to see. I don't want to see his team in limbo with with oh, is this pick? Is this gonna have to be swapped? Is it the, the confusion and just tying up your draft pick and not really having the freedom to operate? Just bite the bullet, make the type of move that 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 ultimately you feel is your game changer, and then move around it. You know, bringing Ben Simmons in here with after you've shipped everyone out of town, great. Do you have a whole offseason and draft to figure that out? You know, go out and build around that guy. Um, he's the one guy that he, – he's one of few guys that I would absolutely do it, for sure. Okay, interesting. Um, so I'll, I'll answer it this way. I, I would take on Tobias Harris' contract and Ben Simmons. If I'm, if I'm taking on that contract – then you're getting draft picks. You're not getting Halliburton or Fox. Um, so in that deal, you're getting Harrison Barnes, Buddy Heal, Tristan Thompson, and Marvin Bagley. And you can do what you want with those guys. I don't care. Kings would have to take back some young players like Jaden Springer and, and Isaiah Joe, or they have a couple of young players that are below the Thibel sort of Thibel maxi level that you would take back, right? But 
if I'm taking back almost $80 million in, in Tobias, then you can't have Fox and, and, uh, and Halbert. If I'm not taking back, uh, that contract, if I'm, if I'm making a deal specifically for Simmons, then am I willing to give up Fox and something else uh, to get there? Maybe. I don't know that I'm willing to give up Halliburton. I would really consider it. Um, but uh, I also know that we've watched Halliburton not be able to play with De'Aaron Fox as a secondary major ball handler. Um, so there is concern there. Well, yeah, maybe. if you're bringing in Simmons, who is, right? Like, yeah, you could, yeah, you're bringing it's Simmons. It's going to be tough. Now, like, yeah. I, I like Simmons as my small forward or my power forward or my, even my center. I don't care. I I'm, don't know that I'm going to run him at the point all the time. Um, and, and I certainly don't think he has to be a primary ball handler uh, all the time. Um, but as a cutter and all the other things. So so I basically have two two ideas. If I'm, if I'm giving up... Uh, like either Halliburton or Fox, I'm not giving up a bunch of draft capital as well. Like if you're going to take one of those two, um, that's your big chip. If you're going to take Harrison Barnes and um, and Tyrese Halliburton, um, I might give up a pick, but I'm not giving up more than that, and it's going to be heavily protected. Um, the the yeah. more and more we talk about this, James, like you can see why things get so complicated. Like this yeah. is going to this isn't going to be. I mean, I'd be shocked. You know, I'm not going to put anything on the line like I'll do this if it happens. But like, I'll be shocked if this thing isn't bigger than it. If this is a, a head-on trade, a two-team trade, Sacramento Philly, I just don't see that. Like, it's going to be a blockbuster. There's going to be like five teams involved. <laughs> like, this thing's going. They're going to complicate the hell out of this thing. Yeah, I mean, you you can't. You don't have to. Um, but I, I think it can get complicated. Like, it doesn't have to be that way. And I mean, that's why, like we've talked about, you know, John Collins, like if, if Atlanta is willing to give up John Collins and a Ben Simmons trade, but they really are looking for change and you're willing to give up Harrison Barnes, why don't we just like skirt around those two and let's make a deal? Like, Mm -hmm. let's figure out something. And then I I don't think that like stops the Kings from doing some other deal. Like they still have picks and other things to, to work with. Um, okay, so let's let's move off of Simmons. I, I think we're both willing to do a Simmons deal in almost any situation. Not every situation for me. Like I, I'm not giving them a pick of their of four players, uh, any right. four players on the team. Um, I but I it. certainly I, I certainly am willing to take back like a albatross contract to do it. But in that situation, I want to keep Fox and Halliburton, and then work out my my salary issues down the road. Fox Halliburton. Uh, Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons, and Rashawn Holmes to me, that's fun. Like at least you know you have something that they're young, they can build around, and and you still have a veteran that you know you can rely on. And, and Tobias Harris, and I also believe that Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons would both be the best two players that that De'Aaron Fox has ever played with. In that scenario, and we've talked about De'Aaron Fox, his struggles with Tyrese not having the ball in his hands. All right, if Tyrese and Fox don't have the ball in their hands. And you've got Ben Simmons who has the ball in his hands because he's going to be the one that has the ball in his hands. Like, what's the pecking order there? Probably Simmons, Halliburton, Fox. So you have three playmakers, but if you have three playmakers that are used to having the ball in their hands, like, that's why I'm not, I don't care. Like, I don't care if Tyrese Halliburton's a part of it. Certainly the packages change. I don't care if Fox is part of it. The, the, the calculus changes on every time you, no matter who you mention. 
but those are things those are things you have to figure out for sure, right? I guess so, but Sean, we keep hearing we need 48 minutes of consistent play. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest issue this team has is they don't have 48 minutes of consistent playmaking. They don't have the third playmaker. And that's where, to me, you add one more major playmaker and you figure it out. Like Tyrese Halliburton is a great off-ball shooter. For sure. Like, And even Fox is a much better off-ball shooter than... You know, he's a, a dude who who can really hit on the catch and shoot, who cannot hit in uh, off the dribble. And so I don't want him taking as nearly as many. Although I like Halliburton. I mean, I like Fox in, in the mid-range. Um, and look, I, I'll also point this out. Like San Antonio kept winning and winning and winning with nothing but mid-range jump shooters. Like you can still win. You just have to have a good system. And you have to have to build the team around these guys. You have to go find shooters all over the place for every position on the floor. You got to find a shooter. Um, okay. So Sean, let's, uh, we missed one on our list. Um, what would you give for Jeremy Grant? You mm. go first. Cause I'm not in love with Jeremy Grant. I'm not either. Um, I know that everyone thinks that he's going to be much better wherever he goes, that he's ready to blow up, but he's not super young. He's, he's 27 going on 28. If I'm not mistaken, he wants a a five-year, $125 million extension like the second that you trade for him. Um, Oh, no. I think he wants a a four-year, 120, so $30 million a year. Um, I I think he does a lot of good. Uh, I I think he's intense. uh, Like, he's a super athlete. He can play multiple positions. Um, Let's see. He'll be, in March, he'll be 28. So, so not that, that far away. Um, he does have an injury history. Uh, he's not a great three point shooter, even though he can shoot the three. Uh, he's not a great rebounder as a four. So he's more of a three, but he blocks shots. He gets steals. I like him. I'm willing to give up a, a first round pick and, um, you know, like I, I think in most situations they would want a, I think they want one or two first round picks, but uh, like either a high level first round pick or two medium levels. Um, but I'm also, I'm more of the like, let's go Tristan Thompson, uh, Marvin Bagley and a first for him. And you're taking a risk because he wants big money and you're, you need to have assurances that he'll, he'll sign for big money. But I also know he gave Detroit a list of teams that he was willing to go to, which to me is kind of strange. But he also does have his full Larry Bird rights. He signed a three-year contract, and I think he's under contract next year at like $18 million. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, I, I would take him. The Bird rights make him more appealing. Yeah. But I don't know that I'm willing to do a first-round pick. Really? Yeah, I'd I'd probably look at my position my position players that I already have on the roster and try to figure it out that way. Okay, so he's owed twenty one million next year. Uh, I don't think that Detroit is in a position where they need your position players. I know, and that's that's why I don't think a job I don't think a trade gets done. Yeah, um, I just to me he's not a guy worth giving up a first round pick for. Okay, not not for how bad you are. Certainly not the twenty twenty two. Um, I and don't get me wrong, I think he can help in a lot of areas, but I just I I, I probably wouldn't do it. Hmm. Interesting. 
Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that and there's that's, a... that's mainly, by the way, that's mainly just because I don't think he'll become a star and I think he's going to become a bloated contract. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so, I, I mean... agree with you. I don't, I don't think he's going to become a star. I mean, even at, you know, his height, he, he's like a 20 and, uh, and like five guy, like he's not, he's not the great rebounder. That's where I, I prefer John Collins. Although I, I think he's a better defensive player than John Collins. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of like, hmm. but then again, he's probably the guy that Kings will get. So, you know, he's yeah. the one guy that, you know, is probably available uh, in a package that, that includes a first round pick and a player or, or some burn off players. And I think if you did do the Jeremy Grant trade, you could actually go out and get other players. I, I do also think he's, you know, he is basketball, uh, like, He's the son of, is he the son of Horace or Harvey? I think, I think oh, it's his, Harvey. Yes, his, uh, his dad is Harvey. His dad yeah. is Horace. Horace. Jerry and Grant and Jariah Grant are his brothers. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's a he's a basketball lifer. and um, He's intriguing to me, but again, like, when do we get to the point where, like, he's consistently, I mean, he just found his game. He just, like, got, it's almost like Christian Wood, but Christian Wood is, is way younger, you know, Christian younger. Like, yeah. He has a little bit more upside. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, we just go there real quick. Christian Wood, what would you give? Yeah. There's several scenarios I could see myself doing for that. Um, I, I don't know that I think a protected first round pick could be involved there. Um, but I'd still, again, I'm, I'm dealing with a team that is not that good. So I'd try and maneuver position, position players on my roster to try and to try and get him um maybe expiring contracts things of that nature but yeah i'd I'd be more apt to to talk about a first round pick for christian wood than i would with jeremy grant okay um i kind of feel the same way i would give up marvin bagley in a in a top 10 protected first round pick for for christian wood um you know i i think that that's fair but but i don't know that i'm going much deeper than that I also feel he fits a scheme a lot better than uh, some other certain other players. Like I feel like even with the, even with, if you're looking at the team right now and let's say you don't sell off a ton of pieces like Christian Wood comes in and I feel like fits with a good, with some of these players a little bit better than, than maybe like, well, I feel like again, I think if Christian Wood came into this team, I feel like they'd be better. You know, and and that's obvious. But I feel like they'd they'd address some needs, uh, areas of need right away, and then that could kind of get you situated for an off season a little bit better, to where you start making bigger and bolder moves. Hopefully. Okay, so um, let's wrap this segment up with. Uh, we're not going to do one of the other ones. We're uh, Julius Randall. He's a name that keeps popping up. What would you give for Julius Randall? Twenty-seven years old. Um, and just turned 27 not that long ago, uh, averaging 18.7, 9.9 rebounds, five assists a game. He's kind of who you thought Zion would be, although a lot of his numbers are down. Last year he shot 41.1% from three. This year he's at 30.7. Rebound numbers are down a little bit. Assist numbers are down a little bit, but that cha- that team has changed dramatically. He's down six points a game, uh, five and a half points a game off of last season. Um, but what would you give for for Julius Randle? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much anything. <laughs> I'd be all for it. Um, I don't think it's a realistic scenario. I will be honest; like 
as we talked about in the last podcast, you know, we hear some names throughout the year and a lot of them come through some pretty crazy places, agents, um, other media, people who work with shoe companies. And uh, the first time I heard about Julius Randall was November and it was before he was getting booed in Madison Square Garden. And that that, that was an odd, odd look. Um, but yeah, I think Randall could be a possibility in, in an intriguing way. I don't know that it's realistic, but I think if you're the Kings, you're, you'd be all for it. What I'm giving up, I mean, I haven't thought that hardly of that, that, you know, in depth about it, but you could pretty much have almost anything for him. In my opinion, there's not much, there's probably not much I wouldn't do for Julius Randall. I think he'd be a, a tremendous piece to build around in Sacramento. Interesting. I've yeah. never loved him as a player. Well, um, I'll say this last year really opened my eyes because you're right, James. I didn't, when he was in the Lakers, I didn't think he'd be that type of guy. I think he's got the right type of attitude, his approach. I think he's a lot smarter than people give him credit for. Yeah. Last year really opened my eyes on him. Okay, so he's under contract uh, this year at 19.8, but then almost 24, uh, 25.5, 27.5, uh, 29.5, uh, which is a, a player option in the 2025-26 season. Okay. Um, maybe manageable. I'm more intrigued by him. Maybe I'm more intrigued by him than uh, – than before um, because of the contract. It, it's not a brutal contract. Uh, I mean, would you, you would give a Fox? Would you give a Fox and a pick or just Fox? Mm. Knowing I'd, probably, I'd probably give up, I'd give I'd give up Fox. Okay. I don't so, know about the, I don't know about how into the weeds I'd get with the picks. You know, I think there's, there's obviously options. And if we're talking just straight up, I'd probably try to, Again, see what I have with my roster players. Um, you know, I think Bagley could be something that you know Scott Perry might look at a little bit and think that he could work with. But again, you know, Bagley is almost like a throw-in item at this moment. You know, if he really wanted Bagley, he could just go get him in the off-season. So, um, I don't yeah, know, man. I mean, I, I, hmm. It's interesting. I, I, you know, I think Harrison could fit well there. You know, I think Buddy could fit well there at, at certain points. No, I think uh, so too. Yeah, Buddy. I, I mean, would you do Buddy in a in a in a first? Yeah, yeah. I, oh, yeah. I think that would be no. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I think New York hangs up the phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that would be probably Buddy in two firsts. Um, but the salaries, like I think, could work out. Um, would you do? Would you do? I don't. Again, I don't have salaries in front of me. Would you do Buddy Halliburton in a first? Oh. No, probably not. No. Uh, I don't think so. I, I don't uh, love him. I'd, I, I don't I'd love him as a player. It. I'd probably do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because again, I, I don't, have... I don't, you know, I like Halliburton a lot and I think he's team friendly and all that, but again, that's, that's why other teams would want him too. And I don't think his value, if we fast forward to the moment where he starts making money, like I would bet that his value probably won't be any better than it is right now. Hmm. Okay. That's interesting. That's an interesting thought. Um, okay, let's get to the business of basketball. That was a lot of business of basketball, by the way. That was. And we're going to kind of stay on that topic with the business of basketball. Um, I'm going to ask Sean, um, can this is, this is complicated. Can the Kings be buyers and still tank? for their 2022 draft pick. Do you well, see that scenario? Certainly. If you, yeah, if they if if they're looking to just go out there and all they want to do is gather picks and 
young players, then then absolutely you can do that. Expiring contracts, you know, you could absolutely do that. Yeah, but no, that's being a seller. That's well, there's a difference between being but, a buyer and being a seller. Can yeah, you? but the, well, it would show that you're doing the full reset mode, right? Like I feel like at that point, if you're bringing in, like you can buy first round picks. You could do like I would argue, even though the Thunder sold off a lot of players. Look at look at the collection of picks that they have. Like and by the way, I think even maybe it's because they just played Boston. Like Danny Ainge really didn't do a whole lot with those those picks right like they didn't really come to fruition and he drafted really well like tatum brown i mean he has i think marcus smart's a nice player you know they they've they've drafted pretty damn well but squandered the opportunity i think you know oklahoma city they're sitting there with all this boatload of of picks a bigger boat a bigger boatload than what the kings do because the kings only have theirs thunder have everybody's yeah thunder (laughs) has so many picks Uh, most of them aren't great picks i mean there isn't like there might be some hidden gems in their their war chest of picks, but it's not like they're they've got like the Minnesota Timberwolves pick, like what the the Golden State Warriors did. I don't think I'd have to look, but yeah, um, I, I don't think that the the picks they have coming in are just like blow you away every step of the way. But what what I think I mean is, can you can you buy a Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris? Uh, and, and then do like a top five protected pick, but then still tank. Um, you know, maybe maybe put Harris on the shelf for part of the season, uh, work to get Ben Simmons back, but take a little bit longer to do it than, than maybe you need to, and then maybe get through like a 15-game stretch where you're trying some things out with Simmons and, and Harris and and Tyrese and and De'Aaron and and just kind of building a little chemistry, but with the idea that you're going to lose, that that your goal is to retain your pick, and then add another piece in the draft this this summer. I think it's hard, but I can see a pathway there, especially with Simmons, because I really feel like the minute he gets here, you need to get him in a positive state of mind. Yeah. Right. So you need to. But what if in doing so and he's working on his offensive game, he's trying to, you know, do whatever. What if it just further compounds the frustrations of his confidence and just kills confidence? And what if you, in doing so, you create a monster, right? Where it's all of a sudden he gets to the offseason and who knows? Like, I just, I worry about things like that to where, you know, if confidence is not there with a player, and certainly we saw what that looked like, um, he spent the, you know, all this time working on his game and doing what he's doing and hoping, hoping and praying for a change. But that when he gets to a team and he's got to work himself back to basketball shape and what if it's further compounded and the losses just turn him into something that you don't want? You know, I, I don't know. Like that's such a tough thing to do. Um, but if you're honest and completely open with the guy and hopefully he's open to that. Yeah, maybe. Cause I feel like, especially if you have the, this this first round pick that might be a top five kind of deal, um, you know that becomes a hell of a bargaining chip, and you know even if you don't even if you draft it, it could be a bargaining trip chip. So I I can see a pathway there. I just don't know if I don't I don't know if I trust it. Do you? I mean I I don't I don't want to damage a player. I don't want to do that. The guys aren't even damaged enough. That's interesting. I mean I, I guess like that that's you're running the risk, but I want him. 
I want him working with Rico Hines like every day for a 100%. while, like getting himself back in. I want him having conversations with Doug. You know, these are things that I want. I want I want them like in his head. Um, and if you're just taking on Simmons, I think that they're uh, and not Tobias. Um, I think that there is a way to to slow play him long enough where you're not going to win games. Um, I mean, and the Kings, like, turning this thing around is going to be very difficult either way. Like, you can't just switch out, like, wholesale changes and think that you're just going to all of a sudden, like, have the Ron Artest effect and, and, like, play 600 ball the rest of the way and somehow get to 500. And that's what it would take. It would take, like, something absolutely insane that this team hasn't shown that they can ever do. So, um, but I also think that, like, a Miles Turner situation where you're making a trade for next season, the year after, uh, but you're getting a young player who, you know, is going to have to sit for a while. I think that's interesting. Um, you know, I think the same thing. Well, I, I don't know if I'd say the same thing with Grant, uh, but yeah, I, I think that there are a lot of ways that you can look at this and say, okay, we could be, we could continue to be bad this season and just run it out after making the big trade um, and act like we're going to try for that 10 seed. But realistically, um, we're playing for a draft pick and we're going to try to sort of compact all of this, like have enough protections on your lottery picks, no matter where you trade them, where you could still get this year's pick uh, and build something to help really like kind of jumpstart this thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I like the, I like the thought process. Um, but this, you know, I, I, you heard me say it last on Tuesday, James, this season be damned. I don't care about this season. So no, <laughs> I don't think any of us do at this point, right? Yeah. I mean, I care about showing up and doing my job. I care about um, covering this team, but mm-hmm. like, I don't, you know, like we shouldn't be concerned about what happens here at all. Like this team has already shown us who they are and they've already shown us that they're a team that can lose by 53 points. Um, and, you know, any team that can lose by 53, like you can say what you want about, oh, you know, we've seen great teams lose by 50. It's like, yeah, well, that's not this team. Um, no, no I, it is I, not. You know, so don't let's not let's not try to like correlate this to something that they're not uh, all right sean do you have any final thoughts we didn't even mention players on boston guys like brandon ingram um the clippers i still wonder what they're gonna do um there's a lot of intriguing things that are out there right now and i always like to remind people things change especially with the teams i just mentioned things change so quickly in the nba almost by the day and i i wonder what the storylines are going to be like the future headlines are going to be once the season ends and we're approaching the draft it could be some fun fun interesting times if especially if you love the rumor mill uh there could be some interesting possibilities as the draft draws near uh maybe it's because i'm looking beyond the trade deadline a little bit because I'm starting to brace myself for the fact that maybe not a whole lot's going to happen, but I don't hmm. know. Hmm. All right. I think things are going to happen. No, I do too. I just don't know how, what the how magnitude big. will be. Yeah. 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 I think that they're going to try and I know like they're working hard. Um, I'm not going to say that, you know, that they've got something, like about to close or something, but I do know that they are working hard and, you know, they're wearing themselves out trying to, trying to find the right deal, right deal to improve this team and, and not hamstring it for the, uh, the foreseeable future and, and do what's, you know, balance what's right for them and what's right for the franchise. Uh, that's always the hard thing. So, all right, Sean. Um, <laughs> so let's make sure we cover some bases. 
Uh, if you're still watching the uh, YouTube video, make sure to uh, give us a thumbs up. Make sure to subscribe. Uh, jump on, do a uh, premium subscription to the King's Beat. So in that way you get all this sent directly to your email inbox every single day. Um, and uh, and you're help supporting the the content that we're creating, which we think is is fun and, and cool and and awesome and has cool uh, layouts and designs and all this nice fancy, fancy. stuff. All this <laughs> fancy stuff. Uh, all right, so that's going to do it for this edition of the King's Beat Podcast for ABC 10 Sean Cunningham. I am James Ham. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.